engineers Simon Hawkes and Anthony Demanti, or Hawkes and AD to their mates, are on a journey down the river of water engineering. In this podcast series, Hawkes and AD share their inspiring conversations with a cross-section of people from the water industry and beyond. The conversations aim to motivate students and professionals alike to contribute to the growth of the engineering profession. So, without further ado, it's over to you lads. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Good Drop with Hawks and AD, a water industry flavoured podcast, where we seek to bring together a range of interesting and inspiring conversations with water industry professionals. As an introduction to the show, and in order to give you some insight into your hosts, we thought an interview featuring your two hosts and our stories would be a good starter for this series. For those of you who listened to AD's interview of myself in episode one, we've turned the tables today and it's my turn to ask AD a series of questions and get to know a little bit more about my co-host. For those of you who missed episode one, we covered off background for myself. And so in this episode, we're asking AD a little bit about himself, what gets him fired up, what his passions are, and just a bit of a get to know you in general. Welcome back for episode two, AD. How are you feeling? Hi, Simon. Great to be here. I'm feeling good. And I'm looking forward to speaking with you today and telling everyone about my water and life journey. Very good. So I first met Anthony when I made the move north to Queensland from Sydney in 2010 after taking a role on the uh, Logan Water Alliance. So I don't remember exactly the specific moment when I met AD, but it's fair to say AD is one of, the pe- one of those people that you don't forget too easily. He's always been someone I've admired for his commitment to the cause. He uh, always goes about things with gusto, doesn't hold back, and he's always happy to tell you what he really thinks. One of the things that stick out for me personally with Anthony is his unwavering attitude in helping younger engineers on their path toward chartership. So one of the first times I met Anthony, the conversation was quickly steered to his inquiries on my becoming a registered professional engineer of Queensland. IPEQ for those of you listening from interstate, um, it's similar essentially to chartered status. It must have been over the course of the next several years, but AD's persistence and support for me to continue taking the steps required and keeping me honest in my efforts to progress. In fact, he's always done that, and I'm sure there's several other engineers who could share the same story about his persistent approach to helping others get their chartered status. He's a passionate and motivated individual, and these personal traits are strong in whatever he does. In my experience, he's an extremely meticulous individual who will pull a problem apart and see he's looked at it from all angles. He has a very keen eye for attention to detail and loves to share his learnings with the water industry with his strong participation in industry events. I think it's probably been a long time since he hasn't managed to get a paper up at Oswater speaking about his latest efforts. So Anthony's a senior principal civil engineer at WSP with 25 years experience in the water industry in Queensland. He's currently a project development project manager at the Logan Water Partnership, a shared venture with partners Logan City Council, Downer, Cardinal, now Stantec and WSP, and has experience at several multinational consultancies in his time as an engineer. Anthony's extracurricular interests outside of engineering are renowned. He's engaged very strongly with his Italian roots as an amateur winemaker and lover of Italian food and is the proud recipient of awards from international competitions for his winemaking efforts. 
He's also a very handy golfer who confounds me with his ability to hit low scores with seemingly very little practice. So AD, we had to pre-record this session um, just due to timing and and, uh, missing opportunities. So thanks very much for putting the the answers together ahead of time. Um, I think it turned out pretty well for, for what we had to work with. So, yeah, just wanted to, I guess, give a bit of an up, upfront introduction to that so that um, all listeners are, are aware and um, we'll get rolling with the interview now. So take it away, AD. AD, how did you settle into engineering in water and what were some of your first experiences that really drew you into working in water specifically? Simon, my journey into engineering has been an interesting one. Not many people know it, but I'm happy to tell you this and to all our listeners. But it wasn't the fact that I liked taking things apart and putting them together. That That's not what uh, got me into engineering. I grew up in a little place called Air in North Queensland, just south of Townsville. My father, Sam, was a naturalised Italian immigrant and he came to Australia from Sicily when he was 17. He worked as a sugarcane harvester operator. Now, my mum, also of Sicilian heritage, but she was born in air also. When I reflect on how I grew up and my influences, I sort of think as a firstborn son, it was pretty likely that I would follow my father's footsteps and continue to work in the cane industry. But it didn't work out like that. My path changed very early in my life when I was about three. My father had an accident, um, tragic accident, when he was building a cane harvester shed at home and he stood on some reinforcement bar And as a result of that, he was paralysed completely from tetanus. So I never really knew my father. He died when I was 16. I just want to say I encourage everyone to always have their tetanus shot updated. I always uh, get a bit of a chill when, when I stand on something. So anyway, look, without having a father figure in my life, this resulted in my mother having a big influence on my upbringing and she drummed into me how important it was to do well at school and and get a good education and she sacrificed hard and I worked hard and I got good scores. I was very good at math and physics and graphics, all these engineering subjects Um, and I as a result just naturally enrolled in civil engineering at James Cook University in Townsville. But I, to be honest, I didn't really know where the engineering path would take me. Um, I just did that thinking it was a pretty good fit. Now, my final year of uni, um, where you do your thesis, I thought I would go end up working down a structural engineering path, um, as that's what my thesis was based on. But As soon as I graduated from uni, I took some time off, not as long as you did, but just a few weeks. And I travelled to Papua New Guinea, um, where my girlfriend's family, who are expats, um, lived. And 
spent some time there. And when I came back, I started to look for a job. And it, but it was only maybe a day or so when I came back to Townsville that a phone call came, and it was from an old um, work experience contact at Townsville City Council, who put me onto another guy who was starting a small engineering water consultancy. And it just went from there. Look, I I just wanted to start earning money, and so that's where my water journey commenced. And I have to say. It's been the best industry to be involved with. And what, why, why do I love the water industry so much? Well, I think it's because that everyone has a linkage and an opinion when it comes to water. It's just a universal language. Um, everyone has a, a position on it, and I just, just love being part of that. Question two. You spent your first couple of years working locally in Townsville. What were some of the factors that motivated you to look further afield and work in Brisbane? Okay, Simon. So as I mentioned, my first job was for a small consultancy in Townsville, and that consultancy was called Ian Drummond and Associates. And it was a small firm that specialised in riverway and catchment management. Townsville was like a satellite office um, to other bigger offices in Sale and Wangaratta, both down south. Now, in the Townsville office, there was just three professionals, including me. So it was a really um, unique introduction in the engineering. It was almost like a small family. Um, anyway, my first job or role in this company was responsible for developing the hydraulic models um, using good old HECRAS. And I used HECRAS to design um, rock protection and river alignment structures and just um, just with my, my first introduction to, to hydraulics. I enjoyed working there, um, especially the money that came in, but it didn't really last too long, probably about a year. Um, the office manager saw an end to this role because he took up a, another role and the office quickly folded and, and I had to get another job. My old work experience contact um, at Townsville City Council, who was the engineering manager, he came to the rescue again and he got me into an opportunity um, working for Townsville City Council in their operations and maintenance depot. And I spent about 18 months working here on all sorts of projects. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Projects for like pipeline repairs, reservoir coding, it was really great to to learn from the guys in the field and they just taught me a lot so i was about i don't know 23 24 around this time and when i was 24 it was time to leave townsville uh, it's a funny story actually or an interesting story i attended a wastewater treatment conference down in the gold coast and it was at jupiter's casino and this experienced opened my eyes to the bigger world that was out there. When I returned back to Townsville, I subsequently ended my long-term relationship and it was time for me to move to Brisbane. Townsville was a little bit too small of a pond for me. So this country boy would um, head his, make his way over to, to Brisbane and experience the city lights. And 24 years later, I'm still in Brisbane, loving it. Uh, but I still get a buzz just seeing the city lights, crossing the Story Bridge. Question three. 
my experience working with you, you've been involved with large brownfield pump station remediation. So outside of this space, what are some other interests within water that interest you? Yes, it's true, Simon. I've had some pretty long-term relationships with Logan's two largest wastewater pump stations. They're called Alfred Street and Logan Home Lift Station. I've been married to them for quite some time, one almost 17 years, to be honest. And they've taught me so much and continue to teach me, and I owe a lot to them, And but they have taken a, a, a big part of my career, but I'm still thankful for that opportunity. What interests me at the moment is introducing new technologies into the into the way I work. And some of those new technologies in particular have been the use of virtual reality and augmented reality. Um, with some of my projects, which are usually pretty complex, um, it's very important to obtain stakeholder feedback and utilize their feedback into my work. And, you know, I've used augmented and virtual reality a couple of times, and I just see how powerful that these technologies are. Um, they engage staff, in particular operational staff. You know, the old style approach of here, let's have a look at a whole heap of A3 drawings and hey, what do you think? It's it's not something I tend to go down that path anymore. Question four. What does a typical day in engineering look like for you? So at present, I'm working as a project development project manager with the Logan Water Partnership. My days can vary quite significantly depending on where my projects are in the engineering life cycle. I've really enjoyed the um, exposure across the, the engineering life cycle that the partnership has brung. As a project development project manager, I'm firstly responsible for writing business cases to determine a project's feasibility. And when I'm in this phase or in this mode, I'm always uh, liaising with the various stakeholders to develop the concept designs and project costs and the, and the business benefits. After that phase is completed, um, the business case phase, I'm often required to further advance the project into detailed design. And during this, I work with other engineers and, and the project delivery staff to, to develop these designs. I also work closely in the procurement and tendering phase. Um, a lot of the requirements I need are not just off the shelf items, they're usually custom, custom made to uh, in order the project to, to complete. Following that, when my projects are in construction, I'm pretty passionate about um, ensuring quality is is upheld and ensuring the design intent is being maintained on site. I really enjoy this part of the work um, and it just teaches me a lot. It's one of the reasons why I've worked so for so long for Logan. Just it just rounds out my designs. It just um, teaches me so much uh, in a good and bad way where I can improve and where I've failed. I encourage um, any young designer to not be scared of being involved on site and to really request involvement during the delivery stages of their projects. Just wanted to add uh, a key point before I 
wrap up on this question, but to me, it's important to monitor my work and reflect on how it's performed years after it's commissioned. I, I feel very blessed again to have that opportunity to not just plan, um, design, commission, but also to monitor my work. Um, I just feel it's a, it's such a blessing. I just uh, love uh, love how how I've grown because of it. Question five. What motivates you? There's a couple of things here. Firstly, and this is where my Sicilian heritage comes out, but I'm highly motivated by anyone who says that I can't do something or that's not going to work or that's not going to be good enough. And these words are fuel to my fire and I get a lot of satisfaction of proving dad is wrong. Secondly, I have two daughters and my youngest has special needs. And as a dad, this inspires me to, to push and succeed and do the best I can do. Their world is getting harder and their lives will have challenges far greater than what I've experienced. And I often think of them and that also helps me to strive and, and be the best person I can and provide them the best quality of life. Six. I wanted to ask you about your motivation for encouraging other engineers, particularly around the idea of uh, encouraging people towards chartership. Who's influenced you in that role of mentor to assist others? My passion for motivating others to achieve their chartership or, or their registered professional engineer of Queensland for those in Queensland all came from my mentor. I had a great mentor. His name was Ian Cameron. Ian is a man highly regarded in the Queensland water industry. He has had a massive influence on me. Ian continually stressed to me at an early age of working with him of how important it was to develop your industry profile. And the first step to do that was always to get chartered. Now, it's important that to get chartership, it, it takes time and, and commitment, but the reward is there. This is a nationally accredited system and I encourage all those engineers to, to put that up there on their list of things to do. Uh, just a message I want to share um, for those embarking on going down the charter, chartership journey is simple. And you've probably heard this song many times. Once you start, it is important that you keep going and never stop until it's done. I've seen so many people or young engineers say, yeah, I started it, but I've been busy and haven't done a few things on it for haven't done any time on it. Um, so yeah, this is this is the number one thing you need to be wary of. You just need to keep keep working on it. I remember my personal journey with chartership and I made a commitment to myself and my wife that I was gonna start and I'd do something on it every day, every day, no matter no matter if I was busy, tired or whatever. But in some days I would only write a few words. Some days I would just open up the screen and I couldn't face it, but I pushed through it. I'd like to share a saying. It goes like this. 
a goccia a goccia si scava la roccia and that translates to drop by drop the rock is eroded so i encourage everyone to keep chipping away you'll get there and uh, you'll enjoy you'll enjoy it when you get there so my persistence on you for instance simon to get your chartered engineering qualifications is i suppose my way of continuing in cameron's lessons that he gave to me what would you like to get out of this podcast so similar to you simon um, the water industry has been really good to me and i want to give something back to it but i've got some additional reasons firstly i have a real thirst to meet and learn from inspiring people and i want to be taken out of my comfort zone and learn about new topics so it, it, it's exciting for me but also a little bit nervous but i'm really passionate about hearing from what uh, interesting people there are in the water industry and for those not directly in the water industry but for those that are passionate and have a real inspirational story second reason for this podcast is i want this podcast to help promote these people and their passion i just love listening to people with interesting stories and i really want to understand their story and I just want to get their story out. So hopefully this uh, this podcast will uh, inspire others and motivate others. But my final reason to work on this podcast is to overcome a bad habit. Now, I have a bad habit of letting great people who I've worked with in the past disappear from my view. Now, that's predominantly because you know people leave I might have left the company and I know it's a two-way thing to keep in touch but I've made a commitment to myself that I don't want this thing to happen anymore so I don't want to lose our friendship that we have and that we've developed over quite some time 12 years or so this podcast project is I just think it's a great way that we can continue to work together and hope that that's not too mushy for you, Simon. Um, can you tell us how you got into winemaking? So, Simon, I've been involved in amateur winemaking for about 20 years, just under, say. My exposure into this world of winemaking first sort of began when I volunteered to assist my future father-in-law when he was making his wine in his cellar at his house. It was a good chance for me to bond with him and developed my Italian instincts. Maybe it was my way of becoming part of the, the family. Just a little story that I'm a bit embarrassed about, but I think it's, I think it's something that our listeners would like to hear. When I reflect on my first meetings with my father-in-law which was pretty nervous i have to say when i met him for the first time he asked me to come over for a sunday lunch and and that's that's a pretty big deal for an italian that's when that's when you know things are getting pretty serious by the way when you're invited over for an italian italian lunch on a sunday anyway 
thinking, oh, I've got to bring something to him. You know, so I thought, oh, yeah, bottle of wine would be perfect. So I brought him over a bottle of wine. And at this stage, I didn't know he had about 750 litres of wine downstairs at his place. So the first couple of weeks, kept on bringing wine over. And uh, he never said a thing. He took it with a smile on his face. And he, he must have liked me. But when I think about people coming over to my place, the last thing that I really want as a as a winemaker with heaps of wine at home is a is another bottle of wine. Um, but anyway, so back to my wine making. For the last seven years, I've travelled a similar path to my father-in-law, where I've created my own wine at home, and it's a fantastic hobby. My whole family, my wife and two kids, get involved with and helping. Every year, I make about two hundred liters of of red wine, and that's not all for, entirely for my consumption. I like to give a, a lot of it away to to friends as a thank you, and um, yeah, it's just uh, just a very exciting part of my life when the grapes varietals come in February, March, and uh, it's like the birth of a new child comes into the Demanti uh, household. As I say, I like to give a lot of my wine away. Not that it's no good, it's pretty good stuff, but I like to, to just pass on part of me to them. And part of those conditions of when I give a bottle of wine to people is that I, I always, firstly, they've got to return the bottle. That's always very important, empty bottle. But I always ask them to send a photo of where they are and what they're eating with the wine and take a, a sort of a choreographed photo. And I get a I get a lot, a real buzz from that. And I feel part of their night. And yeah, it just makes me happy. I, I really enjoy it. In addition to that sort of social happiness, though, I I, uh, I have to say winemaking has helped my understanding of wastewater treatment. Now, I'm not a process person, I'm a conveyance type person, but I have to say, in my opinion, the processes between wastewater treatment and winemaking are very similar. And one day I will present a paper that illustrates my winemaking process. I put something on LinkedIn fairly recently and got a lot of positive um, reactions from that. So. But one day I want to put out a proper proper paper at a at a conference that showca showcases the the parallels to wastewater treatment. So stay stay tuned for that. Uh, in conclusion, I know I said previously that water was a universal language, but I I have to say wine is also on a par with that as well. Everyone has a or most people have a a linkage to wine and what they do and don't like. And um, they're always interested in talking to me how you make it. And it's just just a real good icebreaker. And I guess that is why our Good Drop logo shows the marriage of water within a wine glass. Fabulous five. What has been the greatest piece of advice received and who told you? OK, Simon, there's two. The first greatest piece of advice has come from Rudyard Kipling. And for those that don't know Rudyard Kipling, he is was a poet that wrote If. And I have to say, it does not get any better than this um, in terms of life lessons. 
Before I tell you the line I like, I first heard about Rudyard Kipling's um, poem not, so, not, not too long ago. In fact, I heard it from um, LinkedIn where Mark Burris, who's um, had, a, had a podcast and he was interviewing um, Sydney Roosters coach, and I've forgotten his name, my apologies, and he was talking about how the Sydney Roosters coach introduced this poem to his his team and it really resonated. And when I heard this, I um, I could not, uh, I had to, had to listen to it myself and it really left a, a mark with me. So, you know, the, the poem's not very long, but um, I have to say I really like these words. If you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same, these words really resonate with me because sometimes I get a little bit down when things don't go that way, and um, but I'm also really happy when things go really well for me. So I, I I read those words a lot just to help me settle settle down and be a little bit more constant. In second place, if I can, just want to quote a line from a movie. And it came from another semi-Italian, um, Sylvester Stallone or Rocky Balboa. And these words are like others. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It is a very mean and nasty place. And it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't how hard you hit, it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. So thank you, uh, Rocky. That's that's always um, in my mind when, when things are not going as well as they should be. Question two. Who would you like to share a dinner with and why? Uh, this is a tricky question. I would like to share a dinner with my dad, firstly. I know that's not possible, but that's who I would have liked to have shared a dinner with. Um, but anyway, um, on a professional front, I'd like to share a dinner with Colin Kaepernick. Um, for those that don't know him, um, he's the former NFL quarterback for San Francisco 49ers. Um, he's now a civil rights activist. He's still trying to come back into the, the football league. But anyway, I've been a, an avid follower of Colin for many years, and I've always admired his courage to stand up against police brutality and social injustice. His words um, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. And don't ask if your dreams are crazy. Ask if they're crazy enough. Really resonate with me. I've tried to link in with, with Colin for a while, and I hope he can link in with me soon. And maybe I can send him an invite over one day, and we can have some nice lasagna and a, a bottle of wine one day. Question three. What is your greatest non-work-related achievement? Like you, Simon, um, 
being a dad of my two girls is a tremendous achievement. But something a little bit different is that I am particularly proud of winning several silver and bronze medals at the International Amateur Wine Competition in Vermont, USA. I've sent bottles in the last couple of years. It does cost me a fortune, but to receive notification that your wine, your homemade wine, has achieved a silver or bronze medal, it's just incredible. I like to refer to that as being the Olympics, achieving an Olympic medal um, for an Italian winemaker. I know I have not received a gold medal yet, but the wife has sort of said, hey, that's you're spending too much on sending wine over to America because it's pretty expensive to send it. So maybe the gold medal will be a few years away. Question four. What's your favourite place to travel to and why? Another very difficult question for me. I'm torn between two places, France and Italy. But I think France, in particular Paris, just wins. I spent some only a few days there on my honeymoon a few many years ago now, and I just had such good memories of um, walking along the River Seine and just walking through the Louvre. I also had a very memorable experience at the Moulin Rouge. We had a night at the Moulin Rouge and um, I didn't know this until afterwards, but my wife had prearranged me to be part of the show. Maybe that's a story for an another day, but yes, I remember quite vivid vividly also dancing on the floor of the Moulin Rouge and had some lovely music playing. And I remember taking my wife onto the stage before the show started and yeah, there we were uh, dancing and all of a sudden before we knew it, the, the whole floor was crowded with, with people. So it was just one of those moments I, I won't forget. So, but a big shout out in second place goes to Florence. Um, very close second. I just love Florence every every minute I spent there. The, the Duomo, if people haven't been to Florence, the, the last judgment painting inside the, the Duomo is just incredible. Um, I, I could go see that every day and would never get tired of, of just admiring it. Question five. What is your go-to drink? Red, white or other? Hawks, as an amateur winemaker, I have to say it has to be a wine from Benanti Estate. My favourite varietal is Barbera, which is an Italian grape. And it goes wonderfully well with um, Italian food, meats, etc. There's no better feeling than when we're having a, a beautiful steak or Italian meal that I can just walk downstairs and get some Barbera and just it just goes so well with it. I do also love a good rosé, something that I'm starting to enjoy. And um, I have to say, if I need something a little bit stronger. Um, Negroni is my cocktail of choice, and I know, Simon, I've introduced you to a Negroni, and yeah, sometimes it's a bit difficult just to, to stop at just one Negroni. Sometimes you just have to have two. Indeed. I, um, I, I know what you're saying. can be very dangerous. 
<laughs> going with anything more. That's great, AD. Thanks very much for uh, your your very frank and, and honest um, answers there. Um, really, yeah, it's, um, there's some very personal things in there that you've shared, so and, and I've, I'm privileged that you're, you're happy to share them with us today. So how did you feel it went? Yes, yeah, Simon, it was actually quite um, special um, to reflect on my journey. And yes, there was, as you know, some personal things there, but it, it, it's been quite some time that I've stopped to think about my journey and I have had an interesting path. I hope everyone enjoyed it. Thank you again. All right, we'll wrap it up there. So thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you next time on The Good Drop. Thanks, everyone. See you next time.